What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Chaz Pearson, and this is the Outlet Forum Podcast with my esteemed co-host, Chris Camello. What's up, Chris? What up, what up, Chaz? Man, you know, we got another great show for you guys this week. NBA schedule is here. We'll talk a little bit about the leaks and what our favorite matchups are coming up this next NBA season. And we'll preview a little bit of the WNBA playoffs, the first round with that coming upon us. And we have Lakers Nation podcaster Trevor Lane coming up and we'll do a deep dive into the Lakers and all things NBA. But of course, Chris, we got to start off with the Lakers legacy Mm. documentary on Hulu, the series that just dropped uh, this week on Monday. And the first two episodes came out and they are absolutely fire for anybody that's a Laker fan or bleeds purple and gold like you or I, or even just an NBA fan or a novice fan or a casual. These are stories that you're getting to hear straight from what they call the horse's mouth. And I think it's great. What are some of your takeaways, Chris, of the Hulu Lakers legacy uh, series and what stands out to you most, man? You know what I got to, first of all, let me just say this. The Lakers are the gift that keep on giving every year, man. I mean, all year round, it is Lakers, whether there's controversy during the season, whether there's a controversy during the off season, who are they trading for? Are they going to get Kyrie? Are they going to get this guy? And then of course you have the third major Lakers project in the entertainment world this year. I mean, it's, it's awesome. It really is. You had the magic doc. They call me magic. Great series winning time. You know what a big fan I am of that. We had Spencer Garrett on and now you have legacy really solid stuff through the first two episodes so far. I thought, I think Antoine Fuqua has done a, a, a really solid job. I love the soundtrack. That's the one thing that stood out to me playing disco Inferno while magic is, is putting it on Indiana state in 79. So stuff like that, I thought was really good. And uh, the bus kids kind of showing the home movies and, and the behind the scenes and how they grew up. And, and now we kind of understand the family tree a little bit more. And uh, I just, I just really was impressed through the first two episodes and Jeannie and, and her brothers. And I love the fact all six of her siblings are going to be involved. Yeah, man. What, what, what were your thoughts? Those are a couple of the things that stood out to me. So, so you got the, just how the first part of the documentary was laid out. Um, we're not going to spoil it for you guys too much, but we already know pretty much the story. Spoiler alert. We just, we, we just don't know the intricacies and the details behind certain stuff. If you're a huge Laker fan, then there some of these stuff, some of these stories and some of this stuff you probably already know. But I mean, I, I like the stories, particularly the fact that they had Julius Irvin on mm. and he was talking about just needing to get his first championship, losing to the Lakers two times already um, in the finals prior to that. I love the fact that they started off the documentary with the bus children and what years in order too, in terms of what years they were born. So you kind of got a glimpse of how old Jeannie is, how old Janie is, how old Jesse is. Shout out Jesse as, as well. That's, that's my, my favorite bus of the bus family. That guy is just cool as hell. I've actually man. met Joey uh, a couple of uh, times because he, he yeah. run in the South Bay Lakers back then. It was the defenders really, really down to earth guy, Joey bus. So shout out to him yeah, as well. So- they they're going to be they're going to own this team for forever pretty much i don't think that they're ever going to sell the team because of the morals and the values that you'll see in the documentary and why dr buzz purchased the lakers and the kings at the same time for a reason and he purchased them at a time where the nba wasn't popular the nba was losing money so you get to see the intricacies behind what even brought him to that you get to see 
the real stories between, I mean, you got Lou Adler on there talking about how him and Jack Nicholson started out going to the form, you know, starting out sitting up top. And then as they get a few albums in, a few more movies in, they move down, move down, and they tell the story behind the floor seats and how floor seats really were first created by Dr. Buss. And he realized he could charge 400% for a ticket. Chaz, floor seats so much were $10 and 50 Four seats for $10 and they raised them to $65 at the, and this is 19, what, 82, 84. And they still paid it. James Goldstein is on there. You got Rob Lowe on there who talked about missing. He was filming a movie at the time of the 1985 awesome. game seven. He wasn't supposed to be there. He caught a flight anyway. I mean, you're getting stories in different parts that I didn't know. And it was just from the first five minutes, 10 minutes, I was like, oh man, this is Antoine Fuqua did a great job with this. Director already... of Training Day, Brooklyn's Finest, yes. and The Magnificent yes. Seven. Thank you. The, the remake Thank you of the for Magnificent. giving us. Thank you for giving us some context because <laughs> some some of his work is just is just so great. So I mean, with that being said, I'm just more interested in not only the stories and every and all the intricacies intricacies behind it, but how it's going to move. Because yeah. through the first two episodes, we're only through 1985. Yep. And we still we still got we still got all the rest of Showtime, all the rest of the dark years, getting Kobe, Shaq, Kobe's retirement. I mean, there's so can much. Can I tell you? To talk can I about the Lakers? So yeah, it's gonna be a great series. Can I tell you my favorite question? Antoine Fuqua asked, "Was there cocaine at the forum? Was there cocaine at the forum club? Like just <laughs> right out with it?" And it's like, man, uh, Antoine, you understand cocaine's still illegal over here. And yeah, you're asking and, Rob and, Lowe, he's just like, maybe not at the forum club. But it was definitely up in the I, press lounge. Yeah, yeah, and they, man, I, my my dad tells me stories about the press lounge and going to the forum club and what it was like. It's kind of like, you know, pulling up to live on a Sunday night in Miami. Like that's one of the hottest spots in America. Or pulling up to Story Nightclub in Miami after the Heat win the championship. Or pulling up to, you know, if you're in LA, man. What about the the Century Club for all you old heads out there? Like my my parents, you know, went to the Century Club in LA back in the day. So they, I mean, there's just different spots and different feelings that people talk about when it comes to the Forum Club. My favorite stories come out of that, and also them talking about, you know, what it was like when when Magic came in and how and how and how different he was. I hated the fact that Jerry West was talking so glowingly of Magic Johnson. I, I hate that he didn't just tell the truth because it's widely known. If you if you read the book that Winning Time was based off of, it's obvious that Jerry West was not on board with picking Magic Johnson. But I wish he would have said, ah, I wasn't too high on him initially, but then we got, like if he would have told a little bit more about that, that was great. But he did say that he was uh, I, a little bit I, emotional. So he did let you know that he was, he did cuss people out. He probably wasn't as mad as it, showed on winning time but i just thought that you know the differences were great between the real story and obviously acting and you know what winning time was but i think this is for me much better so the second pick was david greenwood and i didn't even know that because if you watch the show winning time the thought process was and this is who jerry west originally wanted sydney moncrief so 
I don't understand how Sidney Moncrief wasn't the number two pick behind Magic Johnson. I mean, really, Chicago, my goodness. It, 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 they're lucky they scored on Michael Jordan years later because David Greenwood, how, how long was his career? I mean, that, that, that dude looks like- I have no idea like, who that is. That I dude looks like that. he was probably working as a bank teller two weeks later after he was cut from the Bulls or something. <laughs> I mean, I-, I No mean, shade to David Greenwood and No shade family. to David Greenwood. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he's a, he's a great guy, but I'm just saying, you talk about- how volatile these picks can go. So yeah, I, I'm really glad they, they kind of dove, dove into that. And I think the underlying themes, Chaz, that I got, family and ambition. Those were the two underlying themes. And you could feel it obviously through Dr. Jerry Buss and his plans, but also from what Jeannie wanted to do. Jeannie wanted to follow in her father's footsteps at a time when there, were, there was not many women in charge of anything in any sectors of business. So she was definitely ready to break barriers especially in a male dominated sports world. So I, uh, that, that's the one thing that really stood out to me. And the fact that Jerry, Dr. Bush really instilled that work ethic in his kids, having them all start at the bottom and not handing everything over on a silver platter, just like that. I mean, Jeannie owned an indoor tennis team and what is it? Joey that owned. No, no, Johnny, Johnny's the Johnny. Oldest. Sorry. Johnny's yeah. the oldest. Johnny owned a major indoor soccer league team. So, Hey, the buses go way back. And the fact that Johnny and Jeannie had teams that were, you know, not major teams, but they knew how to run them, gave them the experience to do what they're doing now, which is running the Lakers and quite frankly, winning championships in 2020. So uh, with that being said, I'm, I can't wait to see the rest of the series. I'm going to be, but hopefully they drop two episodes every week and I'm, I'm going to be watching them. I already watched the first two episodes twice each. <laughs> There's one more thing that no one's really talked about with all these documentaries and series. And I know, I know we got to move on, but I think this is an important point. Narrative control has become a huge aspect now for everything. People wanting to tell their own stories. We saw it with Jordan in the last dance. We're seeing it with magic We're, you know, Carmelo Anthony is reportedly trying to put together a four part of a four episode docu-series. We're seeing it now with Jeannie bus on the heels of winning time, granted winning time and, and, and legacy are not the same things. One's a documentary. The other one's a dramatization, but narrative control, wanting to tell the story from your lens. I think we're going to continue to see this. It started two years ago with Michael Jordan in the last dance, and you're starting to see a lot more athletes do it. Derek Jeter and the captain, the awesome seven part 30 for 30 series on ESPN. That was great. That was awesome great. series, right? But what is the underlying theme there? narrative control i want to tell my story my way hire the, the directors the producers handpick the interviewees and all of that i think that's a very big aspect and i think that's a huge reason why genie and the bus family are doing this no doubt no doubt and then we're going to get so many more documentaries over the years i'm sure Shaq's going to have a documentary kobe's documentary is coming out on netflix later on this year obviously lebron's going to have a documentary at some point because he has uh, reportedly has you know a film crew that follows him you know while he's playing actually uh, personally I think the Lakers are doing something as well so a lot a lot of content especially Laker related that is going to be coming out but I'm I'm already hooked and I, I thought it was going to be good but it's even better and it surpassed my expectations speaking of the Lakers in the NBA getting to what's happening right now going into the 2022-2023 NBA season the NBA schedule is upon us Christmas Day games have been announced. Opening night games have been announced. And the Lakers, unfortunately, are going to be opening up the season on the road 
against the champion Golden State Warriors, watching them get their rings. And uh, and this is what happens when you don't make the playoffs, don't even make the play in, and you have all kinds of you know confusion going on within the franchise. And you got Russ saying this in his exit interview and new coach and AD trying to come back. And there's a lot going on with the team. But Chris, what, what are some of the standouts as far as some of the games that have dropped on the schedule? Because also you're going to get the Pelicans and the Nets on October 19th which is going to be the return of Zion versus the return of Ben Simmons. Um, you're going to get the Bucks traveling to Philadelphia. Yeah, you got the Sixers playing. You got the, the Heat hosting the Celtics. I mean, there's so many games. And, of course, also you got the Lakers are going to be in Dallas on Christmas Day. Another road game for LeBron James. So him opening the season and on Christmas Day being on the road is pretty tough. What do you make of some okay. of these games and what stands out to you most, man. Okay. First of all, I, I gotta be honest with this. I never understand the hoopla when the schedule comes out. I, I, I don't get it. What? Can I be, can I, can I be honest? I don't get it. I really don't. The whole hoopla. Oh, Hey, look, who's playing who on Christmas. Christmas is three months away. You're telling me everyone really cares about what the schedule is right now. I'll care about. Yes. Okay. Uh, okay. I, I'm sorry. I didn't want to offend my co-host here. Oh, no, I'm not sorry. I, I did I did mean to offend you and everybody about all the schedules and everything like that. The Dallas-Laker game on Christmas, okay, it's a safe choice. I mean, Dallas is a draw, but there's no buzz between LeBron and Luka as far as like a personal rivalry. People, what they should have done was Clippers-Lakers on Christmas, if you want my, my opinion. You want me to care about... You want me to care about Christmas Day? Put the Lakers and the Clippers together. Then I will watch. But to be quite honest with you, I mean, there, there are a few games that stand out. I do find it interesting, since we're talking about the schedule, since you roped me into this, that the Lakers are going to be the road team of a team receiving rings. I can't remember the last time that's happened. No. Yeah, I, I don't, don't think. Not in, in recent my, memory, that's for sure. In, in my lifetime, I don't recall seeing that. No, ever. I, I recall the Lakers, the Lakers will probably get a road. If they do start on the road, then it's a road game. That's, you know, not a nationally, nationally televised game sometimes. Um, and then they'll open in a nationally televised game. But lately, ever since LeBron James has been, they actually did open in the road. LeBron James's first game as a Laker was on the road against Portland when he had those two monster dunks. And I wonder, sorry, but, to, sorry to interrupt, Chaz, is this the first time LeBron is going to be in the locker room for a team that's going into a ring ceremony? I believe so. I yeah. mean, maybe, maybe not. I haven't done any research on that, but yeah, I just it, think it, I just think it's weird that, that uh, I think it's weird that they're doing it this way, but I understand why the Lakers are playing the Clippers in the second game of the season. It will be a Laker home game. So that will be the Lakers home opener so that'll be a pretty good game for the first time you'll see ad Kawhi, pg lebron all on the floor at the same time barring any injury of course but hopefully not second game of the season you might even see russ hey you might even see Kyrie if things go right with the <laughs> lakers so who knows but there's a whole lot that's going on with the schedule and I, I can't wait i can't believe that you're not jazzed about getting to see that like i'm not in that mode the yet, matchups man. the matchups is one thing but it's it's the storylines because you know the nba is all about storylines so yeah, the yeah, fact yeah. that you're gonna get zion coming back versus ben simmons and lakers clippers or uh, hold on I zion versus ben simmons you're looking forward to zion versus ben absolutely simmons. what yes wow. zion is wow. zion is one of the most exciting players and ben simmons although we yeah 
Shout, yeah. shout on Ben Simmons I'm sorry. for the last however how long. Man, listen, look. I'm sorry, Chaz. I'm just look. not, I, I am not into the schedule right now. Look. I'm not circling any calendar game. It, I'll see the schedule when it comes out in its entirety, closer to September, October. I'm not trying to no. rain on your NBA parade. Look, look. I, I, I get it. I, I don't like the fact that all these reporters are leaking this game, that game, this game, that game. I think that's what Christmas. might be frustrating I, more. Yeah. I, I think that's probably what you're referring to. But I think yeah, the matchups maybe. itself, the fact that the Bucks at full strength versus the Sixers at full strength on opening night is is great, man. Like the fact that you're gonna get get the Pelicans versus the Nets on opening night is also great. The fact that you're gonna see the Suns and the Hawks and play playing the Memphis Grizzlies all in the same first week of the season is great so lakers are going to get I'm tested huge... those first two games i'll tell you yeah. that warriors yeah. and then got... and then clippers yeah so Lake, it's a, lakers it's a good got two pacific division games right out the gate right out the gate so yeah. they better come prepared they they had better come prepared with that being said we got a special guest trevor lane coming on we'll talk about all things lakers and all things nba after the break you know what Here's to going for it and being terrible. Here's to giving it a shot, even though your shot is uh, garbage. To being the queen of the court. Oh, maybe not this court. To feeling the burn, even if there shouldn't be a burn to feel. To trying your best, even though your swing is the worst. Here's to going down way harder than you get back up. Giving it your all. Even though you kind of suck. But you know what doesn't suck? (laughs) Trying to do something you've never done before. That doesn't suck at all. Not even a little. My nigga, this is dedication. This is anti-hesitation. It's a real nigga celebration. It's a dime block declaration. 59th and 5th Ave, Granny House with vanilla wafers. It's the remedy to separation. Welcome back to the Outlet Forum podcast. In case you haven't already done so, be sure to download and follow all our podcasts on all major streaming platforms. We're on Spotify. We're on Google Play. We're on iHeartRadio. And of course, we're on Apple Podcasts. Leave us that five-star rating. Drop a comment. Let's get that dialogue started. You can also go on nightcastmedia.com, N-I-T-E-C-A-S-T media.com. So the track you all just heard on our way back from break belonged to the late, great Nipsey Hussle. The, the song was Dedication. And Nipsey just would have had his 37th birthday this week. I know Nipsey as a local legend. I mean, somebody that everybody loved and respected throughout Los Angeles, but still doesn't feel like he's been gone that long. Hermius Asgadam, a.k.a. Nipsey Hussle, uh, has been immortalized on Hollywood Boulevard and received his star on his 30, what would have been his 37th birthday. And it was a beautiful ceremony with Lauren London and his grandma and his dad and his son crossed the boss. And all the homies were out there from Russell Westbrook to Isaiah Thomas uh, were out there. YG showed up. 
uh, the whole family was out there showing love. All the 60s came, obviously, and obviously you're going to have different sets, uh, you know, showing up as well. For those of you that don't know, Mipsy Hustle was the 60s crypt that came from Hyde Park. And man, just his legacy and what he meant to L.A. means to me still to this day is very special. So shout out Nip. Your legacy is never going to be forgotten. Uh, long live Nip Hustle. And I can't wait to go and see the star myself, man. Dedication, dedicated to you, Nipsey. Heck yeah. And lifelong Laker fan. Who, who will ever forget him sitting courtside when the Lakers and the Rockets were brawling early in the season? I want to say that was LeBron's first year in the 2018-2019 season. Yeah, and there's yeah, a and he, picture of Nip just yeah. getting up. Like, he was ready to rock and roll on that one, man. Like, hey, man. I'm here. Tap in. Tap in. Hold my beer. Man, my man was about that action. Absolutely. So happy birthday to Nipsey Hussle this week and uh, congrats to his uh, star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. With that being said, we got a very special guest joining us right now, Chaz. What's up? We got Trevor Lane of Lakers Nation coming on. What's going on, Trevor? How you been, man? Hey, you guys doing well. Thank you for having me. No doubt. No doubt. Thanks for joining us on this podcast, uh, Trevor. A lot going on in the NBA world. You know, the, the NBA offseason might even be better than the, the NBA regular season. Lakers have been linked to like every star. There's been a lot of moves, but more importantly, a lot of chatter of moves. So it keeps all of us talking. So the Lakers, as currently constructed, now we don't know what is going to happen. They're still linked to Kyrie Irving. There's, there's still some other moves that they still could make. But as currently constructed, a lot of the experts out there have projected them to be at 42 wins. What is their ceiling in your opinion? What is their floor? Uh, for me, ceiling is somewhere around just in terms of the, the rankings. They you know, probably finished somewhere around the six, maybe the five seed, something like that. The Western Conference is going to be a dogfight this year. Last season, fortunately, the Western Conference was very forgiving, and the Lakers said, no, thank you. We still don't want any part of walking into the playoffs here. I don't think we're going to see that repeat again. The West is going to be brutal. It's very, very deep. Um, so, again, I don't see this group topping out any higher than the six, maybe the five seed. The floor, though, I'll say maybe it's the 10 seed. And I think this this team is better than last year's team. And you can hope that with some health, some health, maybe, hopefully, fingers crossed, they can stay healthy for a season. Um, they should be okay there as far as not falling past the 10 seed, which, of course, would get them into the play-in tournament. But as presently constructed, I don't think this team is a championship contender or anything like that but I do think they can still make some noise in the Western Conference. I, I do think it's screaming for a trade, though. The question is, when is that going to happen? Because we've been hearing all about it all offseason and still nothing yet. Exactly. And with that being said, there's a lot of rumors. There's a lot of talk about this deal, that deal, this team, that team. Um, I think the latest news that came out uh, this week from Sham Sharani was that the Knicks and the Utah Jazz have re-engaged with Donovan Mitchell um, after they had reportedly talked at Summer League about a possible deal. Some reports have, you know, Donovan Mitchell going for like six round, six first round picks because the Knicks have eight of them. What do you see as really being the first domino to fall potentially in the trade market that could possibly land Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving or who, whatever players with other teams? I think the Donovan Mitchell one probably is the most likely thing to happen. If you're Utah, they've said, which of course they've said this, that they don't mind bringing Donovan Mitchell into the regular season, into training camp. They have no problem with that because he has three more years under contract. But let's be real. If you bring Donovan Mitchell back with the Jazz, they're probably going to accidentally win more games than they want to. 
And this is a team that wants to tank. It's all about Victor Wembayama. If you can go and get him, if you can find a way to get that next generational star, it's worth it to make a move right now with Donovan Mitchell. So I think that's going to be the first domino to fall. Uh, from there, the Kevin Durant situation is a mess, and we don't know what's going to happen with, with Brooklyn. Um, you know, he requested a trade at the beginning of July, and it still hasn't happened, but it's gotten pretty contentious there. Will he show up for training camp? We don't know, but... Look, if you're a team that's uh, that's in the running for Kevin Durant and you're trying to put in an offer, the problem is how can you feel confident that he's not going to do the same thing to you a year or two down the road as what he's doing to the Brooklyn Nets right now? Because the Nets did everything. They bent over backwards, did everything they possibly could, gave him the keys to the kingdom, and still Kevin Durant wants to leave now that the Nets have tried to take back a little bit of control of their own franchise. Teams can't feel really good about going all in after Kevin Durant. So it's an interesting dynamic. I don't think that's going to get resolved anytime soon. I think Donovan Mitchell is the first one that's on the move. And from the Lakers perspective, that could, in theory, put a Knicks trade or a Jazz trade on the radar because both of those teams would be waiting until a, a Mitchell trade happens before they'd want to engage with the Lakers. No doubt. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's just so much chatter, and there it's been all smoke and no and no mirrors. So, with that being said, speaking of going all in, I'm wondering where the Chicago Bulls fit into that because it looks like over the next couple of years they might be going all in on Giannis Antetokounmpo, who who made some headlines this week saying, "quote Everybody uh, would love to play for Chicago, but now I'm committed to the Bucks. Down the line, you never know. Maybe I play for Chicago." Where did where does this come from? He's two years removed from a championship with the Bucks. He signed the Supermax. He clearly likes being in Milwaukee. But is there a scenario where that welcome could eventually wear out and he may seek greener pastures or, in this particular case, windier pastures down in Chicago? I mean, sure, there's always potential in the NBA. The NBA is, is all about player empowerment right now, and that's been, you know, player movement has been a, a big factor in all of that. Uh, players have been been more mobile than ever before, and part of that was an unintended consequence of shorter contract lengths, which the NBA owners were pushing for a few CBAs ago. So now here we are where players are moving around to a greater degree than we've seen previously in the league, and you, know, you wouldn't blame Giannis for starting to consider looking elsewhere down the road, but this really comes across to me as something that's just kind of off the cuff. I don't, I don't take this as hey, I, I really want to go to the Bulls or I'm demanding a trade or anything like that. He's got to be happy in Milwaukee. I mean, the Bucks this last season, you could say they were a Chris Middleton injury away from being back-to-back champs. I'm not going to read too much into this until we get something more definitive, something a little bit stronger about him wanting to go to the Bulls. I think this was just kind of an unintentional thing by Giannis right now. I don't, I wouldn't project him leaving Milwaukee anytime soon. I think we'll take this as a nugget and kind of put it in our caps or leave it in our back pockets just to see maybe what happens when Giannis gets to year three and year four of his Supermax deal. Still talking about the NBA and the East Coast. I think, like you said, the West was very forgiving last year. The Lakers said, the West, the Lakers said, no thanks, like you said. But the East, I think this year is not only going to be better than last year, but I think that the best team in the NBA could, or the best record in the NBA could be in the East Coast my personal pick is Philly. How do you see the East coast shaking out as far as the top four teams and what teams will be uh, having home court advantage going into the playoffs next year? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely not the Eastern conference anymore. We're not back in the days where, you know, you've got what, two, three teams that are below 500 in the Eastern conference, making the playoffs and everybody in the West is just, what was me? Cause you've got above 500 teams missing out. 
Uh, I think it's it's more evenly balanced this year. Now the East was was I think stronger conference last season. I don't know if that'll be the case this time around or not, but I do like the strength at the top of the East. The Warriors obviously will sit at the top of the West and they are going to be tough to dethrone. The Suns will be up there. I like the Nuggets a lot this year, the Clippers as well. All of these teams are going to be very good. The Mavs are still on the rise, but then you look at them over the Eastern Conference, you're right. Philadelphia is there. Boston's there. Milwaukee's there. Those three teams alone can give anybody a run and are probably would probably be near the top or at the top of the Western Conference as well. And then you add in teams like the Miami Heat, uh, the Toronto Raptors can always be tough. Could they get into the mix for a Kevin Durant trade? And that's where this could really change is if Kevin Durant lands with a team like Miami, like uh, like Toronto, something like that takes place. Then you can vault another team up into that top tier. The East is going to be really tough this year. I'm not ready to anoint the 76ers as the number one in the East just yet. I'm going to fall back onto the Bucs. I think they would have been the number one seed. I think they would have come out of the Eastern Conference had Chris Middleton stay healthy. So until somebody proves that they're the better team on the floor and didn't just get by due to injury, I'm not trying to take anything away from the Boston Celtics. You play the team that's in front of you, but I think the Bucs were probably the best team in the Eastern Conference right now. And so until somebody proves uh, otherwise this coming season. And I would argue that the Celtics are even better than last year with getting Brogdon. Oh, absolutely. Too. Absolutely. They, yeah, I- they made some, some really good moves that that Brogdon deal had a lot of Lakers fans upset yeah. because it felt like yeah. they got him for just about nothing. So, um, so yeah, Malcolm Brogdon coming in. Uh, they've got Danilo Gall- Gallinari as well. The Celtics are getting even better. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's very interesting where, both conferences are going to be fairly top heavy, but I think there's going to be a lot of competition. I think a lot of teams that could be on the rise. And I think always the biggest question is, can certain teams that burst on to the scene last year, the Memphis Grizzlies, obviously the Celtics, can they duplicate that kind of success? I always think that's the biggest thing because we saw with Atlanta, Atlanta made the conference finals two years ago. This past year, they were, you know, first round fodder for, for the Miami Heat. So it just goes to show you year to year, things can change. Other teams adapt, the league adapts. And if you don't, if you're not getting better in this league, Trevor, you're getting worse, right? Yeah, especially with the with how many teams we have going for it now. And also the, the league dynamic has changed now that we've got the play-in tournament. A lot of people weren't sure about whether or not that was something that was going to stick around. The NBA has really liked the way it is sort of curb tanking as well as created a little bit of excitement towards the end of the season. I like it too. I think it's been a success for the league overall. As frustrating as it may be, if you're the team in the, in the, the seventh seed or the eighth seed to now have to be at risk for potentially missing out of the playoffs. But I think it's also created an environment where you've got more teams that are saying, you know what? We're not that far off for being a playoff team. Let's go get some of that playoff revenue. Let's at least make the play in tournament. And let's push to try to win right now. And so it's, I think we've seen greater incentive for teams to hang on to players, not to trade them away, not to bottom out. There's going to be some teams that do that this season, but you're not seeing where it felt like half the league was not trying to win. That has, has kind of gone by the wayside. I think it's a good thing for the league overall, and it's created some more competitive conferences all the way from the top down to the bottom, all the way to the 10th seed. Yeah, I think the trade market at the deadline and the buyout market has taken a hit in recent years due to the plan because you have less sellers, like you said. We'll get you out, out of here on this, Trevor. We were talking about the Hulu Lakers series and everything going on with that. That's just dropped. Um, not sure if you saw it or not, but if you did, what's what's your impression of the first couple of episodes and um, how do you project the remainder of the series to be given what you've seen so far? 
I watched it and, and it was great. Now, I mean, obviously, if you were a fan of, say, the Boston Celtics, maybe you wouldn't like it so much because it's it's being told through purple and gold lenses, as it should be. Um, this is much more documentary style than than winning time. And it's, because it is. It's a documentary. It's supposed to be more factual than winning time was, which was a dramatization. And I, and I love that, too. I thought winning time was excellent as well. But this um, to me, I, I just I enjoyed watching the narrative all the way through, watching the whole thing develop. And then, of course, finishing off that second episode with the 85 championship and just all the emotion that was wrapped up into that. Uh, that was that was a very cool moment to see. Brought definitely brought me back to my childhood, and so I definitely enjoyed getting to see all of that stuff again. And uh, and I can't wait to see what's next. I mean, as we go through the Lakers' history and everything, because look, we we all know the basic story, and and even for me as somebody who covers the Lakers and does this professionally and all that, there's still going to be stuff that comes up that I didn't remember or that I didn't know about, and things that that are surprising. So I, I like stuff like this that can reveal some of the story behind um, these great moments that we know. And so I'm, uh, I'm thrilled. I can't wait for the next one to drop. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's been great. I think my favorite part so far has just been the history of the form club and yeah. John Sally's 10 second shower. I mean, come on. Uh, who, who, who the heck knew about that? Uh, before, he got his before. hand wet. And that he was got his it, hand right? wet because remember they were on a curfew. So he's like, right. I don't have time to shower. I got to get to the form club. I forgot about that. Yeah, that was funny, man. Good stuff. <laughs> Trevor, great stuff. Thank, thank you so much for joining us on, on the Outlet Forum podcast. Uh, please let our listeners know how they could follow your stuff, man. Yeah, thank you for having me. You can find me on social media at Trevor underscore Lane over on Twitter at Trevor Lane NBA on Instagram. You can find most of my content over on the Lakers Nation YouTube, YouTube channel as well as the Lakers Nation podcast, which you can find on YouTube and, uh, and wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever, and then all of our written work goes up over at, uh, at LakersNation.com. I, I appreciate you taking the time, and good luck on on the season, and keep, keep up the great work. Thank you. Will do, and, and thank you again for having me. Thanks for coming on, Trevor. Peace out, man. And for those of you guys that like that haven't listened to any, any of Trevor's content or anything like that, he was really the first person that I saw get on YouTube, get on Twitter, um, talk live, um, this guy started all the way from the bottom, um, like a lot of other shows did that are on the Internet now. Um, and now he's all the way pretty much at the top and, and still going. So shout out, Trevor, for coming on. And uh, for those of you got that love Lakers content uh, that listen to us, go listen to Trevor because his stuff is great, man. With that being said, man, there's a lot, a lot of content <laughs> that is coming out in and out here and there. But we would be remiss if we didn't talk about the ladies one time. Chris, WNBA playoffs are upon us. First round matchups are set. Um, unfortunately, the sparks are not there. My squad, um, Liz Cambage, just completely deteriorated that team from the inside out. But there still is the Chicago sky. There still is the Phoenix Mercury. There still are uh, there's still the Liberty. There's still great teams that are going to play great basketball. Chris, what are some of the teams or what is the team? Who is the team that you're ha you have your eye on? And what do you think of some of these first round matchups that are coming up? Yeah, I, I think the first round is going to be interesting. Not much for the top seeds. Uh, like you mentioned, the Chicago sky, 
Uh, I think them and the Vegas aces, they're going to roll through their first round matchups. Like, you know, like a hot knife through butter. I mean, they're those, those two teams, in my opinion, are on a collision course to the WNBA finals. I know Candace Parker and the sky are trying to become repeat champions, uh, for the first time since I think maybe during the Lynx dynasty, but you know, there's some intriguing matchups there. And there are some teams that I think could go on a run. The Connecticut sun finished the, the season really hot and I, I could see them making a deep run Seattle storm. Are they going to use this Sue bird retirement as a, as a driving force for them to make a deep run, uh, send Sue out on a, on a winning note, all uh, David Robinson in 2003, when he retired with the championship. Uh, so, I mean, there, there are some intriguing matchups, but I just don't think anyone could really stop, especially in these shorter three game series, no one's going to be able to stop Chicago or Vegas. So I think they're, they're going to uh, punch their ticket to the, uh, to the semifinals. And then, Hopefully, if we're lucky, those will be the last two teams standing. Candace Parker versus Asia Wilson. And I mean, Becky Hammond trying to become one of the first rookie head coaches to win a championship. So th there's a lot of good storylines right there, man. Yeah. And Asia Wilson, I think, is the, the favorite for the MVP award and should win it this year. I'll give you my, my picks really quick. The Aces versus the Mercury. I got the Aces in two. Okay. They're going to they're gonna roll through them. But just like you said, the sky is going to go through the Liberty in two games. I think the Connecticut Sun versus the Dallas Wings, I think that series is going to go three games. But I'm going to go ahead and take the Connecticut Sun in three. And the Seattle Storm are, are going to completely up, yeah. go through the Washington Mystics in two games. So it, it's going to set up for a really interesting rest of the playoffs. I do. I agree with you. I do think that the sky and the aces are going to be the two teams left at the end, but I think it's going to be fun because of the matchups that we have and like the Liberty and the wings, they're, they're pretty good teams. Like they yeah. can get a game, maybe not two against their opponent, but I think overall it should be pretty fun, man. And Chaz, what's interesting, if if Vegas and Seattle handle, because they're on the same side of the bracket, if they handle their business in the first round, Vegas, that's a foregone conclusion. Phoenix is missing. They're not going to have Tarasi. They're not going to have Skylar Diggins. But uh, at the same point in time, I can't say that Seattle is necessarily going to roll through Washington. Washington is healthy. They got Elena Deladon back. They, they got a pretty balanced squad. Oh, you don't think so? Well, no, I'm saying that series is going to, I could see that series going three personally. I don't think Seattle's going to roll them in a two game sweep. I could see that series going three games. That's just my opinion. But if Seattle makes it there, I mean, Brianna Stewart versus Asia Wilson, Sue Bird versus Chelsea Gray, two of the great point guards we've had over the last 10 years going head to head, two of the great forwards we've had in the last uh, five, 10 years uh, going head to head in Stewart and Wilson. I mean, two of the top five players in the game. So it's definitely going to be a very interesting postseason run for the, for the WNBA. But like I said, I think the matchup everybody wants to see, and if we're lucky, we'll get this, the defending champion Chicago Sky versus Las Vegas trying to get that championship. That's going to be the one series everybody's clamoring for. Candace Parker trying to go for her third championship. Should be pretty interesting. As the WNBA season wrapped up, we had to say goodbye to a legend in Sylvia Fowles, one of the all-time oh, yes, great, yes. one of the all-time great centers uh, for the Minnesota Lynx. Uh, she spent the first seven years of her career in with the Chicago Sky. Spent the last seven with Minnesota, part of uh, many championships. She won four gold medals. She was a four-time Defensive Player of the Year. Like I said, she reestablished the center position in the WNBA. 
And she played her last game over the weekend. The links are not going on to the playoffs, as we know. She wants to be, get this, a mortician. Huh? As she heads into retirement, she wants to be a mortician, a funeral director, somebody who's around dead bodies. And this is apparently a lifelong dream for her. Come again, Mo? Hi. <laughs> Look, man, you told me about this and thank you for cutting me off because this is something that I wanted to address because <laughs> as a person that doesn't deal with death very easily, um, you know, coming from where I come from and seeing some of the things that I've seen, um, the fact that that is something that she wants to do, like, it's one thing to work maybe in a hospital, be a nurse or be around death or be, you know, uh, drive an ambulance or work in a hospital or, you know, something like that. And then you go to be a mortician or working at a funeral home or maybe your parents own one. But it's another thing to be a WNBA legend, for that matter, to play as long as you have, to have the impact that you have. And to say that your lifelong dream is to be a mortician, that's got to be, Chris, that's got to be the weirdest job that anybody, that any sports player or star, I should say, has volunteered taken or plans to take in the history of North American sports. Would you, you got to agree with that, right? Ah, uh, weirdest. Uh, I don't know. Cause some people, I mean, have ran gone, some randomness, people like random. Yes. But people have gone towards some very weird paths, dark paths. This is definitely interesting. And because it's almost like, Hey, I I'm obsessed with this. I'm obsessed with death. You want to talk about having a, a true death wish. Now, obviously, she doesn't want to die, but she wants to study nah. death. She wants to be, uh, you know, uh, around the, the science of it. Not so much the spirit. See, I thought it was on the spiritual end of it. But on an article I read, she's obsessed with the embalming process with, you know, when somebody dies and you see them laid open in a casket, how they get to that point. I mean, the, the one thing I thought of was Sylvia Fowles must have been a big fan of the show Six Feet Under on HBO. Remember that show that? Uh, took place uh, in, in a funeral home. And it was talking hey. about the randomness of death. But I just found it very interesting. And she's so smart and she's so compassionate. I mean, it really doesn't matter what she's going to do. She could be a doctor. She could be a lawyer. Sylvia Fowles, whatever she puts her mind to, uh, she's going to be successful in. Very interesting. Couldn't, I will call it interesting more so than weird. <laughs> I'll leave y'all with this on it. Somebody got to do it. And I appreciate that it's her and not me. With that being said, <laughs> shout out Sylvia Fowles, shout out all the morticians out there, and shout out anybody that's lost anybody recently. Yeah. Um, I know a few people that, that personally have as well, and, um, you know, praying for those people, and um, any if you've lost anybody or you're struggling with, you know, somebody that you've lost, um, you know, talk to somebody, do whatever it is you need to do, because uh, it's real out here in the field. Man, I just can't wait for, I mean, we got, luckily, we got football coming back, the Dodgers are doing their thing. Um you got NBA training camp that's going to start in less than six weeks. We are almost to the glory point of the year where you get all three sports at once in the month of October. So, you know, I'm I'm like a fiend when it comes to all this stuff. So uh, I can't wait. But, Chris, it is time for my favorite part of the show, the social media posts of the week. And I got some fire options. I got some funny shit. I only can pick one. So, I'm probably going to go with something that's a little bit more closer to my heart and closer to the West Coast. But I'll let you start it off. Chris, what's your favorite social media post of the week? 
I went into a different uh, direction and uh, I found this great tweet from it's at HNIC colon JRA at champs, Papa 1015. That's, that's Jamal artist. And so he quote tweets something from Rhett Bollinger. And this was the other night between the angels and the Mariners where the game was tied at two in the, I believe it was the eighth inning. And he said, and the, and the tweet said, not sure why Andrew Velasquez didn't try to start a double play here, but the throw goes off Max Stassi's glove and the angels are down four two. So Jamal quote tweets that and says, defense couldn't have gotten worse. Angels colon, hold our beer. Please. Exactly. That's, I mean, that yeah. play just summarizes the entire angel season right there. What should have been an inning, inning double play instead turns in to a two run, uh, uh, possession basically for the aim for, for the Seattle Mariners. They ended up scoring four in the inning and cruised to a six, two uh, win over the angels. So just goes to show you how, how pathetic their defense has been. And more importantly, how pathetic their season has been. Crazy how they can have trout and Otani and they're not going to have anything to show for when they have to trade Otani next year. And Mike trout might be on the shelf because he's having some spinal back issues or something like that when he twists but i got a pretty funny one and it comes from at nba memes pretty simple straight to the cut uh steph curry was hanging out with snoop dog a couple weeks ago maybe last week and uh steph curry's eyes were pretty red so there was a post that i saw and it took me back to the time that kobe hung out with snoop and this tweet here says throwback to when kobe bryant and snoop dog met up and Kobe's allergies started messing up. And you can see clearly in Kobe's eyes and Snoop's eyes that, that, that they was hitting some of that good Cali weed and they was having a good time. And, uh, and it just brings up some of that nostalgia and some of those memories. Cause obviously Kobe's not here and Snoop's one that gifted him the, the Lakers six foe back in, I think that was his retirement back in 2016 um, for his last, last game or during that time. So shout out Kobe, shout out uncle Snoop. Um, and shout out Kobe's allergies that were acting up that one time in the studio. Um, with that being said, I'll go ahead and close it out. Thank you guys for listening to the outlet form podcast. Um, every week we got more guests, more content, more back and forth. Uh, you guys know where to follow me on Twitter at Chaz Pearson on Instagram at Chaz P Chris, where can they follow you? My man. You can always follow me on Instagram at CCamelo1. I'm on Twitter at Chris underscore Camelo. Camelo's Corner by Chris Camelo on Facebook. And then be sure to follow us on at The Outlet Forum on Instagram and at The Outlet Forum on Twitter as well. Great stuff as always, partner. And uh, mm-hmm. I'm sure next time when the whole schedule comes out, you'll be salivating like a, cri- like a kid on Christmas Day. Oh, I'm already, I already am. I already got certain games mapped out and I can't wait for the NBA season. We'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening to the outlet forum. You guys have a good week. Peace.